podcast about soccer on the Wasatch Front featuring a national championship head coach. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Walker. Join me with me to my right, rocking the blue, the LA blue, Los Angeles' number one Dodger fan in West Jordan. Gotta add that qualifier there. Uh, you know him as a head coach of the Solid Community College, College Bruins. Uh, I know him as a good friend. And the only national championship that I know, I think. He showed me the ring. It actually exists. Uh, Mr. Mark Davis, thanks for being back with me, uh, psyched, Coach. Psyched to be back, Sean. Love the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Excited to talk a little soccer in the state of Utah and, and RSL and U.S. men's national team tonight. Little little peek behind the curtain right here. We're not going to upload this on, uh, on video um, because I have what my mother likes to call a face for radio. Uh, so we're not going to do any video, uh, but coach is doing this entire podcast with the uh, Dodgers latest NL West championship pennant over his left shoulder. I think that is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's making me very uncomfortable as a Padres fan, but that's okay. Life is hard. We'll soldier on. We'll trudge through it. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Really? We're Dude, not here to talk about baseball. Uh, we're here. The Padres has to be one of the most frustrating teams to follow. Oh, man. I, I could go. This podcast would be an hour and a half if I really went into everything that I feel about San Diego right now. Um, and now, uh, dagger to the heart, their best player is going to be on the men for like six months. So, RIP Nando. Um, anywho, uh, we're, we're not here to talk about baseball, though. We're here to talk about soccer. Uh, and unfortunately, things don't get a whole lot better because we're going to start at the top like we always do. Um, and you've read about it. If you haven't read it on the newsletter, saltcityfc.substack.com, at saltcityfc on Twitter, saltcityfc on Instagram. Uh, we push it out there as well. Uh, Real Salt Lake, no longer unbeaten, Coach. Going down to Kansas City, Kansas, a 1-0 loss to the fight in Johnny Russell's and Sporting Kansas City, courtesy of Russell's 81st-minute goal at Children's Mercy Park. Coach, I got to be honest. I'm not overly hurt about this loss. Am I just not enough of a fan? Or is, no, it, you, is it okay to say, you know what, this is not the worst loss in the world? No, you shouldn't be that hurt. A, we created – we were very dangerous. I mean, we created loads of opportunities. And, and really, I mean, you could say that there wasn't a lot of poor performances on the night. Um, I thought the, I thought the, I thought RSL performed very well. We had, like you said, I mean, we got the injury bug and we have some players step in that weren't expecting to step in. And, uh, you know, we, we created and we easily could have had a match be one, one, we could have stole all three points there in Kansas city. And I think the important thing is, is now, you know, Colorado this weekend and just put all the focus into that. I mean, they, I really think, you know, a fair result would have been a point. We get a point there at Mercy's Park, at Mercy Park. I think that would have been the, the fairest result. And so you, if you look at the big picture, I don't think you should be too torn up about not getting 
a point or three points. Yeah, I, I normally I, I follow the RSL fan base quite a bit, uh, mostly on Twitter, which uh, <laughs> not not the easiest thing to do sometimes because Twitter Twitter's I don't know if you know this coach, but Twitter is not reality. You stick mostly to Instagram, so you know where reality really is. Uh, Twitter is not reality. Instagram's a little bit more real. Um, but like even amongst like the RSL fan base on Twitter, I kind of saw this as a little bit of like, well, darn, that sucks. Eh, all right, let's let's move on. Uh, pack it up, move on. Try to get better. Try to get healthy. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of good news on that health front. Uh, but I do I do think that there you you touched on some of these. I do think that there were a couple of really really good solid um, good to see performances out of this RSL side. Um, but let's start at the top of the point of attack. Yoni Menendez, I believe, gets his first start of the year. Um, he's been a little bit banged up and then some conditioning issues and whatnot. But uh, I thought he was unlucky not to have at least a goal, if not two. Obviously, everybody's going to remember that chance that he had in the fifth minute. Um, looks like he has another right around like the, was it like the 60th, 65th minute, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of went side netting. Had another one that got called. I didn't see the exact call. I think it got called back offside, or was there a foul? I can't remember uh, in the second half. But overall, I thought a really, really good performance out of Yanni um, and that front line. And again, just, you know, I mean, you you know it well, Coach. You you, you coach these guys um, pretty high-level soccer sometimes. Sometimes that's just how the game goes, right? Like, just unlucky not to not to bury one of those. No, and, and, and that's the thing I think that the staff, the organization, everyone's going to look at. Uh, you look at your number nines and you look at your, your, your creative players that play kind of on the front line or your midfielders and you say, are they putting themselves in situations to score goals? Because if they're putting themselves in situations to score goals, eventually they're going to put the ball in the back of the net. And you can look at, you know, that game and say, hey, we created – four legitimate chances. And then on top of that, we created, you know, five or six half chances. Um, you know, you, with the, with the bounce here, with the bounce there, you know, you can turn a half chance into a full chance and can turn it into a goal. So um, I don't think we have anything too concerning about with the, with the way we're, we're moving the ball and the way we're creating chances and, you know, the way we're defending, giving up a goal in the 81st minute, it's kind of, kind of crappy because we did play well enough to, to get a point, especially with all the injuries. But again, it's just, we put ourselves in great situations and hopefully gets in form, has a good week of training and, you know, is, is, is that much hungrier to put the ball in the back of the net at Colorado uh, this weekend, which is a, uh, you know, a big, big match in itself for getting back on track. Yeah, really big chance. Rocky Mountain Cup coming up this Saturday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, I believe KMIU is going to cover that one, ESPN Plus, uh, if you got it as well nationally. Um, here's the thing, though, Coach. I don't know if this uh, health situation, this injury situation, is going to get much better. I tried to write down all of the players that were missing um, and or got hurt in this match. I probably missed some, so correct me where I'm wrong, but I'm just going to go through and I'm going to name a couple. Uh, Nick Beasler is out, uh, picked up a knock. Justin Glad, probably going to be out for a little bit longer. Zach Fardsworth, Aaron Herrera, uh, David Ochoa is out again. Bobby Wood riding the pine once again. Um, and then literally like five minutes before kickoff, I don't know, somewhere in there, during pregame warmups though, um, Johan Kabelhoff forced to come off. 
which then shifts Pablo Mascherani from a back three that they're used to playing. Um, he's got to bring uh, the the rookie, Jasper Laffelsen, into the, the uh, <coughs> center defense and play more of a back four, which is a little more traditional, I guess, obviously. But this is an RSL team that's played a back three all year. So that probably wasn't very easy. Um, and then at halftime, Eric Holt, who I thought had a very good first half, looked very, very good overall. Um, he's been a little bit of the story of the season in some ways because um, because he has been solid in his limited minutes, uh, forced to come off with plantar fasciitis. That leads to the debut that we'll get to in a minute um, of uh, Yazi, Yaziello Roscoe, the 17-year-old RSL Academy product, already a Mexican international um, in that he's trained with the Mexican national team, El Tri, uh, itself. He's a dual citizen from Ciudad Juarez, grew up in El Paso, and then obviously matriculated onto Harriman at the Academy. I thought he looked really good in his debut. We'll get to that in a minute, but by golly coach, like that is an injury report, right? Like, have you ever seen anything like this? No, that's incredible. I mean, I remember uh, early on in Kassar's days, there was, there was quite a bit of injury kind of going off of, you know, when we were kind of phasing out of the four four two diamond with Jason Christ, and they just seemed like we were pretty – we had a lot of injuries. It felt like, uh, you know, for a couple of years, and it was just in and out, in and out, in and out. But this is this is unheard of. And this is and, – and, 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 and all mad, at once. Yeah, and just mad props, though, to the organization. I mean, you, you look at how we're playing, though. I mean, we're, we're still attempting to play on the road where I think most – teams would say all right well we're going to sit in low block we're just going to shift we're not going to play inspiring football soccer at all we're just going to we're going to absorb pressure and maybe just hit teams on the counter i mean there's spells in that game where we truly looked like the better side uh we were creating we were on the front foot so i i think it's a you know it's if you're a real salt lake fan and you look at that i i think I think there's something to be said about that, especially down the stretch. You know, you're getting everyone motivated. Everyone's, everyone feels alive. Everyone feels like they're pulling in the same direction right now. And I think that, I think that can really help a team down the stretch when you need to go a little bit deeper or you have someone out on an international break. You know, I know Miram's with Iraq um, this week. I think he plays tomorrow. And so there's a chance he'll be back for Saturday. Uh, knock on wood for that, but you know, the, the there's a, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to be said there and, and playing a 17 year old homegrown Academy kid that, you know, last year played with the Monarchs had some appearance with the Monarchs, but the year before that was just with the under 19s and was considering, Oh, if I don't get picked up by the Monarchs, I'm going to go to college. And, you know, the, 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 the kid is an absolute pro. Uh, Yazi's a great kid, uh, 17 years old. He doesn't even turn 18, I think June 2nd, you know, he's a 2004 born, uh, player. And, and, you know, he, he came in and he impacted the game. He did well. He's humble. Um, I saw him after training on Monday and just big, big smile and super excited and super motivated and, you know, just all about the cause of trying to be better. And, you know, if, 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 if the bad fortune of not having players and you can see a 17 year old step in, 
I think it's good for the club and it shows why the Monarchs is, is a great investment. And it shows why the Academy is a great investment because you're getting to, to work with the kid that has, you know, the sky's the limit for this kid. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's kind of, it's been a minute and obviously the Academy pipeline is a thing for RSL. So it hasn't actually been this long, but I, I kind of feel like it's been a minute since we've had like a true breakout Academy kid break the bus through to the first team uh, this early on. I mean, this kid's only 17 years old and yet he goes out there for an entire half of play. And I thought you said he, he handled himself like a pro. He really did. He looked like a pro. Um, maybe one or two like little small mistakes in there, but nothing too major. There wasn't like a howler um, in his first half of MLS play, which I thought is really impressive enough. And just the the overall maturity that I've seen out of him. Um, he comes off the pitch after a disappointing loss. You know, you give up this late goal to Johnny Russell. Nobody wants to talk to the media. I give players and coaches a ton of credit. Coaches maybe a little less. They're they're obviously paid to pretty hefty sums to do this, but I give players a ton of credit for anybody who's willing to talk to the media after a loss. Cause that is like one of the, well, you've done it before coach. Like that's one of the hardest things to do is to address the press and say like, yeah, like we screwed up. This is where we screwed up. We're going to get better. Let's dissect it kind of in the moment like that. Um, but Yazi comes off and just gives us awesome post-game uh, interview uh, with, uh, with Donnie, Brian Dunseth color analyst and obviously Dunny starting him off with some softballs and whatnot he knows he's a teenager that's fine um but he gives some really good answers and just like just comported himself very well like looked like a true professional i i really like this quote um where uh he he's he's asked if he's if he's ready to play anymore you know because he's 17 years old and he's gonna have a week in training i believe right now we'll get to an updated injury report here in a minute uh, but I believe as of right now, it's literally just him and Marcelo Silva that are their healthy center backs. So I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say there's probably like a 98.7% chance that he's going to start, that Yazi's going to start on Saturday. Um, Trey will get at me if I'm saying too much there, but but I, I don't think that's it. That's a big secret right now. Like that's just how thin the back line is. Um, and Yazi comes out, he's asked about it and he's, he says, I just want to do what I always do. Just do what the coaches tell me and take the advice other players give me, go out on the field, be calm and relaxed and just try to give the best performance that I can. You know, like he doesn't let the moment get too big for himself. Uh, he doesn't downplay it either. He's just like, look, like I'm here to play football. I'm here to play soccer. Like, yeah, I'm 17, but like, I'm going to be playing this every day, whether it's a pickup game or training or, you know, I'm going preparing to play MLS competition. Like that's just, that's such a mature attitude um, that I think it's something that's worth noting out of this kid who, again, like he should be getting ready to go to a senior prom right now, or I don't know. He's from Mexico. I don't know if they have prom in Mexico, but, but whatever the equivalent might be, right. El Paso, Mexico too. I mean, he's, I mean, he'll, he'll claim El Paso. He'll claim Mexico, claim them both. Yeah. He's uh, I think officially he's a, Officially, he's a Ciudadano. He's from uh, Juarez um, down there, which if, if any of my friends, my Mexican friends, know about Ciudad Juarez, I say, don't mess with Yazi because that, that, that place is something. That place is something. I, I won't go too far into it, but it's I, – um, I would not pick a fight with Yazi Orozco. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Perfect. <laughs> 
Um, uh, duly noted, Sean. Yeah, duly noted, right? Uh, let's, I, I tease it a little bit. Uh, Pablo was on ESPN 700 earlier, uh, and he gave an injury update. Uh, so Johan Kapelhoff, um, had a calf issue, calf strain. Uh, it sounds like maybe a little bit of a tear even because he's going to be out for three to four weeks. So they're going to take that one pretty slow. Uh, Eric Holt dealing with plantar fasciitis, maybe a micro tear there in the fascia. If I, I struggle with plantar fasciitis pretty much my entire life. I don't know if you've ever um, been afflicted with a coach, but that is a painful, painful injury. Like it hurts so bad to walk when you pull at the bottom of your foot like that. Um, Pablo says he's going to be out for anywhere from three to six months with that, that injury. That's rough. Uh, Bobby Woods, probably another two to three weeks before he's back, maybe a month. Um, let's see. Aaron Herrera hasn't trained with the team in several weeks, so he's probably out for a little while. Uh, and then Justin Glad, the utility knife, who you probably feel a lot better if – you had him in that back line because you can obviously move him around to so many different positions. He's probably still at least three to four weeks away. Again, this coming from Paolo Masarani on ESPN 700. Um, you got any, can, can you, can we sign you up coach to a 10 day contract? Can you play center back? Man, I definitely cannot. I could, I could do a little six, um, but uh, no, the center back, Center back definitely can't. That is that is that's crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to find a, an adequate Olave, center back. Olave, uh, I saw Olave the other day. He looks still pretty damn fit. Maybe we go with Olave. Right. Let's call call Hamasin up out of retirement. I. You know what? I bet with a week of training, Hamasin could give us forty minutes. He looks. He looks. Uh, yeah. About as good as he's ever looked. So I bet. He, I bet he could give us at least a half. Um. With a week so, of training. I I uh, was out of training um, when Christ was in charge, and I saw Olave. This is just a off off the topic story, but Olave got into a tackle. I think against Beckerman so hard, the ball exploded. Um, it was abs- It is something I've I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. Uh, the ball legitimately popped, and uh, like everyone in the training stopped. And, uh, like, I remember specifically being like, there's no way. And, like, Beckerman's, like, wearing the ball on his head and, like, walking around. And Olave is, like, so intense. He's like, come on, guys, let's get back. Let's get focused. Um, and it was crazy. It was so, – I, I don't think I'll ever see that ever again. For our Spanish listeners, uh, El Verbo se chocó con la pelota hace que explotara. Uh, the ball just exploded from, from contact with the verb Hamasin Olave. Uh, he is that's he wild. Is, yeah, no, there's something special about that, and something that I've never don't think I'll ever see again, or like it popped. Like it wasn't like a slow, like, oh yeah, it fizzled out. The ball exploded. So you guys come to this podcast because you think we're going to talk about current RSL, uh, maybe a loss of sporting Kansas City, maybe some U.S. men's national team. We'll get to that. But we're really just here for story time with uh, Uncle Mark and uh, some stories of El Verbo himself, Hamas and Olave. Um, Keep them coming. That's what we're here for. Uh, If you can't, as always, 
You can subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Uh, we're just about everywhere on the internet right now. Um, we also send it out to your e- to your email inbox as soon as it gets posted on Substack. So you can subscribe over there, saltcityfc.substack.com. We're already, we're only like a month into the Substack era, Coach. We're already building a pretty nice community over there. So um, it's pretty great. I got to get you writing for, for, the, for the newsletter one of these days. I don't know. I don't know how your uh, how your English skills are, but I heard I heard you have at least a Brian Dunseth college education, i.e., uh, one semester English major at Cal State Cal State Fullerton. No, I was uh, BYU Hawaii. Even better. <laughs> I got. Uh, you actually got, have to go to class there. I got, a, I got a bachelor's in underwater basket weaving and surfing. Man, it was awesome. It was perfect. No. Um, really though, uh, I got my bachelor's in the, uh, in entrepreneurship and business, and then went straight to Concordia university of Irvine, uh, for an online master's degree in coaching and athletic administration. And I will tell you that was the, it was awesome. Like I loved, like, it didn't even feel like school just because I love coaching. I, I, I like it. It was, it was really, it was a really good online master's program so if anyone out there's looking at an online master's program i'd highly look into concordia university of irvine oh, oh, oh we're gonna we're gonna have to some free advertising here for concordia irvine right now the first one's free guys otherwise i'm gonna have to start uh muting uh the coach mark davis first one's free the next one you got to pay us so but if you want to pay us, if you're interested in subscribing to the podcast, there are dozens of us listening right now. Um, you can hit us up, saltcityfcpod at gmail.com. We'll talk. I can be bought. I can be bought. Uh, coach here, has he's got morals and standards and scruples, and he's got to worry about his coaching license. But I can definitely be bought. So hit us up, saltcityfcpod at gmail.com if you do want to talk about those opportunities. Um, speaking of opportunities, Let's let's move away from RSL. Unless is there anything else you want to touch on RSL Sporting Kansas City? Like I said, one yep. 0 lost uh, Saturday. Bounce back opportunity at Colorado. I feel like this game's probably a lot more winnable, even with all of the injury issues. So let's let's move on to the other game of the weekend. A um, little bit of a light weekend in MLS. Technically an international break. I know they played a couple games through it, obviously, but. Um, the window is open, and World Cup qualifying is closed. No, not quite, not quite. Um, but if you can be qualified without actually being qualified, i.e. as close to qualified for the World Cup as possible without actually like officially clinching your spot, I think that's where the United States is right now. Uh, 5-1 over Panama. Um in Orlando, Exploria Stadium, home of Orlando City SC, five to one, eliminating the Panama from World Cup contention. Christian Pulisic has a hat trick. Um, two of them came from the penalty spots, penalty spot, but whatever, like whatever. Was this about? Was this the exact type of game that the United States needed to play to qualify for the World Cup? Even though technicality, we'll get to that in a minute. They're not technically qualified. Um, but they pretty much are. I, I feel like this was the kind of game that they needed to play on Sunday. No, hundred percent. And uh, hats off, hats off to you know the U.S. men's national team. We all lived through 
2017 where we beat the crap out of Panama in Orlando and then went to to Trinidad and Tobago and had, you know, not only we played poor and, you know, we, we end up losing that match 2-1, uh, about six things had to not go our way to not get into the fourth spot to get into the play-in game. And, you know, nothing went our way and we, we find ourselves out of the World Cup. And so I think that's why people are being so hesitant right now um, with saying, yeah, yeah, we're in, we're qualified. It's, it's a done deal. But we got to go down to San Jose, a place that we've struggled in. We've never gotten a win um, in San Jose in World Cup qualifying, so it's been a difficult place. Um, I know there's been some suspect uh, calls from the referees there. I, I'm I'm happy that VAR is going to be in play and absolutely a shame. not even not even calls from the referees. There, I've heard stories of suspect calls to the hotel room in San Jose at like three o'clock in the morning when the yep. United States is set to play Panama <laughs> fire alarms going off yeah. in the middle of the night. I mean, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, they, 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 they televise where the hotel is. So they have people out there, you know, making noise all night. So no one can get a good night's rest. I mean, straight you know, CONCACAF. Yeah. Very CONCACAF things happen, I think in San Jose. Um, but you know, what a, I, I mean, I'll talk about the performance of USA here in a second, but what a, what a sham that the first six games, I believe of this last group of, uh, you know, 14 games, we don't have uh, VAR. I mean, that, that is in my opinion, just an absolute joke that CONCACAF doesn't, you know, hats off, I guess to them for getting VAR in the last eight games. But, um, you know, the Jamaica game that we draw that uh, against them, they, they easily could have had two men sent off um, and, and they should have had two men sent off. It's a completely different game. Um, if there's VAR, those two boys get sent, those two guys get sent off. Um, so anyways, I digress. Uh, maybe with, us going to San Jose and having VAR will be in a, will be in a good situation because um, I do like our team. I like, I like our youth. I like, I, I, I really truly hope that what Greg Berhalter is saying is, Hey, we're going there to get three points. We're going there. We're going there to play. And, and honestly, I mean, you think about how many friendlies the men's, you know, USM US men's national team play throughout the years. Like this is an important match. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, yeah, we look, Someone said on Twitter, like, hey, if you lose, you know, if you forfeit the game, you only lose by three and then we're qualified, right? Like, I like, I want That's a manager. True. I want a manager to go into San Jose and say, no, we're going to freaking play. We're going to play. I don't care who we play, what what group of boys we play, but I hope he plays the guys and I hope we go in and we play for three points and we and, and we go for, we go and try to be dangerous and, uh, wide areas and we try to you know attack them and press them and start our our pressing points a little bit higher up the field like we did against mexico and not just sit in and absorb um but uh u.s men's national team first 10 to 15 minutes um first 10 minutes a little bit shaky little you know the game's pretty open it looks like panama um are on the front foot a little bit 
And then, you know, Walker Zimmerman, we get that VAR shout against his teammate from Nashville. Clearly a penalty kick. Christian Pulisic steps up, you know, nails it. And, and, and like, there's just a little something different about Christian in that game. A little bit, like, angry, pissed off. Um, you know, his goal celebration, you know, just, you know, just feels different, you know. They they kick a ball at him and he he's he's getting into it. I'm not and I'm not saying that's awesome that he's doing that, but that's the Christian that's Champions League Christian Pulisic. That's the that's the Christian Pulisic that I think a lot of fans have come to love with him at Chelsea. And like I really like it, man. Like that's the that's the Pulisic that we need. You know, if he's gonna want to wear the armband. Um, if he's going to want to be a massive leader, I think that's the kind of type of Christian Pulisic we need. So, um, obviously was it, was it, I, I loved, I love like the chuspa of Pulisic to grab that ball on that first penalty shout and be like, nah, bro, I'm taking this, like, give it to me. And I'm sure they talked about it before. Like he's wearing the, you mentioned it. He's wearing the armband. Like he's in the rotation. They, they talk about. Oh, I mean, Greg Berhalter even said after the game, like they like they talk about who's going to take penalties. Um, and a lot of times they'll kind of shift it up from game to game. So it's not always the same guy. Uh, Christian was very much in the rotation. He was if he wasn't the guy, he was one of like two or three. But he like grabbed that ball and was like, no, I'm taking this like it is mine. It is my chance for the penalty. He did that on the second one as well. Um, but you had like even to start um, who was it? I, I want to say it was. Was it Jesus Ferreira or Tyler yeah. Adams? I can't remember. One of them holding the ball. That was Jesus the, Ferreira. It was Ferreira. They did that, Sean. The reason they did that is to – so Jesus is holding the ball so that the Panamanians are talking trash, talking crap. They're, that Jesus is taking the, the grunt of, hey, you're going to miss it. You're a piece mm. of crap. You're this, you're that. So Pulisa can kind of stand out on the side. And then, okay, once they point to the – spot on the VAR challenge and and then Pulisic takes the ball and then puts it on the spot. So it almost diverts the pressure. They've been doing that okay. in Europe a little bit. And uh, I think that was even confirmed that that was what was happening is like, he's holding the football the soccer ball to try to, you know, now the Panamanians are, are screaming. They're coming, yeah. They're coming after him because they think he's going to take it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Cause like, I just, I love this image of like Ferreira, like holding the ball, and just taking the blunt of the attack and whatever, like he's going to take it. Um, And then Pulisic kind of coming in at the last minute and being like, give me the damn ball. I'm taking the penalty right now. Like just the, the overall like confidence of saying like, give it to me. I've got this. Um, And the strategy in there is great too, but like that's, that's what you want out of your captain. Like this is golden boy. This is the face of, arguably the best generation of soccer players the United States has ever produced. Um, I mean, like, and, and to have, to have a guy like Pulisic um, just so confident to take that penalty, I think just speaks volumes, not just to his skill, but to his leadership as well. Yeah. And, you know, we, you know, a lot of people, I love the game. I love the game. I, I honestly think we could have taken care of the ball um in in building in building out of the back I think at sometimes we were a little bit careless 
And I think we gave up the ball a little bit. Sometimes we were a bit casual um, and we gave, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot and we invited pressure. Um, and Panama, you know, Panama is a better team. They're probably going to take advantage uh, of, of those opportunities. But I love the fact that, you know, Ariola's involved. He gets assist, he gets a goal. And, you know, so many people have given Paul crap. Um, and, and say he doesn't deserve to be on the team, you know, and he, he, he's just, you know, he's put himself in a great situation. I think he's a hundred percent a locker room guy. He's a, he's a connector and, you know, Gio Reyna comes he's, in. He's the veteran on this team. Yeah. We talked about it on Twitter spaces a little bit after that Mexico match. Like what, what did I tell you coach? I said, like, I, I felt like you needed Ariola starting from the beginning because you needed that veteran presence. Uh, up there on Berhalter's squad against in your your biggest must win of this final three game window and that's exactly what he brought like he brought that leadership he brought that experience he brought that confidence um, he brought that like you're not going to mess with me mentality uh, and to see him get that goal I thought was awesome sorry I cut you yeah. off there no and here's a guy that's just completely worked his balls off to freaking put himself inside the national team where you know for whatever reason in the Twitter world or whatever other world, he, he he's taken a ton of criticism. He doesn't care. He just wants to help the team win. And uh, not I, real I life, not real life. It's Twitter, not real life. Just yeah, reminder. Yeah. And then, and then again, like who I consider to be the captain of the team, you know, Tyler Adams, I, I, I he is such a throwback of a player, true six, plays through the lines, connects passes, super smooth on the ball, works side to side. I feel like, you know, when Pulisic gets in a scuff, in a scuffle near near halftime where, um, you know, the Panamanian guy kicks a ball. But by the way, whoever kicked the ball at De La Torre, it almost hit him in the nuts, um, which is completely Bush League. You know, Pulisic gets pissed wants to go after him. You see, boom, Adams is there calming Christian down, calm down, dude. Hey, this is the world cup. You know, our, our, our ticket is almost punched to the world cup. Calm down. You know, he does that and, and, and he's just a gritty freaking player. And I really like Tyler Adams. I liked him in the game. Um, our back line. Um, I think we have nine starts with um, Robinson and Walker, Zimmer Walker Zimmerman, and they're eight wins, one draw with them as a pairing. We got ourselves a left back, um, you know, and Shaq comes in from freaking second league in Spain, has no clue that he's going to be there. Off the plane for like 36 hours. And, and it, comes it, in, comes in and gets an assist, uh, you know, defends incredibly well, is connected with the group. You know, had a couple got a couple moments where he, he probably could have been a little bit better, but that's a big time performance there. Look, and, looked like he might have picked up a little bit of a knock there at the end. I don't know if he was just cramping or if he maybe hurt like a calf or I hope it's not a hamstring. Uh, but he had something going on there towards the end where yeah, like I said, he might have just been cramping. Hopefully it was just a cramp because it was I mean it's Orlando, like it's plenty hot, but yeah. But yeah, but, play just play this balls off though. Yeah, and we get we get a back we get a we get a back four performance that you know shouldn't have probably given up that that goal. 
that that guy was on a shocker though. The the, the dude, you know, maybe it helps him sleep a little bit better at night, giving up two PKs and you know he can get one back and lose five one and you know get back to Nashville and do his thing, I guess. But um, I I think it's a great I think it's a great performance from the U.S. I thought the from afar, looking at the environment in Orlando, it looked great. Uh, it looked like they were buzzing. The crowd was good, and it just felt good. It felt good to be an American soccer fan and uh, watch us create. And you know, we're playing Panama, and that's a good result. And you know, people have given Greg crap, and a lot of Greg's crap. I think people have given Greg's crap is they don't feel like he rightfully earned his job because of his brother, because of the ties with Ernie Stewart and Jay Burhalter, who works inside of the Federation. And, you know, the whole thing of having the interim manager for, you know, leading up a year and then, you know, he gets the job, but this last window, how he approached Mexico, the buttons he pushed pressing up higher to win the ball up in higher areas, not sitting back, you know, playing for three points in the Stadio Azteca, turning back around. I thought he pushed all the right buttons to get the most out of his boys in, in, in Orlando. Gets a massive three points there, increases the goals. And now we go into San Jose on tomorrow and play the Ticos, where if we don't lose by five, we get a top three spot guaranteed. And you know, it's something to be encouraged and, you know, knock on wood. I, I don't want to be a pessimist at all. I, I, I expect us to be punching a ticket um, on Wednesday with a, with hopefully a win. I mean, I, I don't see why we can't go beat the Ticos in San Jose uh, tomorrow. If we, if we, if our mentality is right and we set up the right way, um, I fully expect us to go in there and, and take three points. And then maybe that's me being optimistic because they're going to be playing for everything. And all we have to do is not lose by five, but that's kind of what I've come to expect with this team. Costa Rica, I felt like definitely kind of left that door open for some U.S. optimism um, in their second match of the window, scraping by El Salvador two to one and El Salvador team, which um, I don't want to knock any nation, obviously coach. I, I hate doing that at all. But El Salvador hasn't exactly looked great. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, they have um, an American coach that played for the national team, and Hugo Hugo Perez. Yeah, um, El Salvador didn't hasn't exactly looked great all window, uh, and Costa Rica just barely scrapes by them at two to one. I think that's going to give a lot of U.S. fans, if nothing else, some confidence going down to San Jose. Which again, you touched on it. I mean, it's very very tough place to play. I would be more than happy i would be thrilled as an american fan with a tie at the estadio nacional in san jose i would be i would be stoked um just to come away with a draw because a draw a draw is good enough that's all you need that's perfectly fine uh the unit we, we mentioned the united states obviously hasn't fully booked you guys have seen it by now but they can book their spot in qatar like in the field proper no playoff match, no play-in game, uh, with a win, a draw, or a loss by fewer than five goals. Um, not quite officially booked. I thought it was 
maybe it can be misconstrued as a bad omen. The United States pulled out the flag that said clinched world cup qualifier clinched after that Panama game. Hopefully that's not a bad omen, but man, like they are so close. They are practically right there. Um, and if nothing else, if nothing else, maybe the, maybe the good news coach is even if Costa Rica comes in, say, let's say they win six nil, um, the U.S. Is still still finishes fourth in the octagonal. They still go to a playoff series with the Oceania representative, probably New Zealand. They still have a chance of making it to, to Qatar as well. So they're far from eliminated. They're very much not eliminated. Um, how about this for a troll one for you? Okay. A little bit of a troll question. The United States with the right result, if they lose by just enough but not too much, they could maybe drop Mexico. To that fourth spot in Concacaf. What? What is conspiracy what, theory time? Like, could that happen? Could what, that happen? What is the scenario on that? Actually, so they have to. Mexico obviously has to lose to El Salvador, right? Uh, it, it would be a it would be a loss or a draw. Hold up, I'm pulling up the uh, Concacaf octagonal right now because. Canada has already clinched. They're the only team to have clinched. Um, although the U.S. is only three points behind them. They could technically top the group, although Canada would have to lose um, in their final match to uh, – who do they play on Wednesday? Um, Mexico plays El Salvador. Canada plays uh, Panama. And Panama's eliminated. And yeah, and Panama's already eliminated. So that's probably not going to happen anyways. But so, like, technically, the United States but it's still in Panama. Play. I mean, sure. I yeah. Know. Yeah. Sure. So, so weirder things have happened. Like, stranger things have happened. It's possible. Um, but uh, so Canada's topped the group at 28. USA and Mexico are tied with 25 points apiece. Costa Rica is three points back of them uh, with a plus three gold differential, plus seven for Mexico, and plus 13 for the United States. So that's where that that uh, five or six goal loss. The second tiebreaker is also goal scored, which I think as of right now the U.S. owns, I believe as well. Um, so that's why it's six and not five. Um, but so if... If Costa Rica can make up that four goal differential difference with Mexico and then Mexico loses to El Salvador, not likely, probably not likely, but possible, uh, that would drop Mexico into fourth place and to the intercontinental playoff. That's again, I mean, you got, I think you'd have to, so you'd have to have Costa Rica win by four and Mexico would have to either scoreless draw or lose by at least one i go back to probably probably not likely but possible i go back to 2009 where u.s would had been in i mean we were probably had the easiest time arguably going through Concacaf world cups qualifying in 2009 for the 2010 world cup and um it was in stoppage time and if U.S. doesn't score the goal, Mexico, like it, we, 
I think I'm pretty sure we were up. Sam Susie. Yeah, we were up. We were up to yeah. I think we were up two one. Um, and we score the third goal. So and, and I just think I think I think it was Graham Susie's goal, the goal yeah. that meant he will never buy another corona again in the yes. DFA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, listen, I think I think Greg's a pro. Um, I don't, I, I think Greg's going to go for it and, you know, we'll not even think about what's going on with Tata Martino in Mexico at all, but I mean, we'll see what happens, but I, I, I just think Greg would never, Hey, let's lose by three, you know, and it, that could potentially hose, you know, our friends to the South. So I just don't think that will happen. I, yeah, I mean, probably not. And again, this is all this is all contingent on Mexico losing to El Salvador, which I also don't expect to happen either. So, um, but man, that would just be a really, really fun troll job. Like the inner troll, the inner internet troll in me would just would would just laugh. Like I can't help but laugh. Um, we didn't give it officially. I mentioned it before, but shout out to Canada, first World Cup since 1986. Um, essentially in my lifetime, essentially in your lifetime, um, essentially in all of our lifetimes. I think this is the first time, at least in the modern iteration of the World Cup, that the U.S., Mexico, and Canada will be in the same field. Yeah, because That's, we weren't with them in 86. We, we missed out. Right. Um, yeah, and, and before, I mean, the only time, I didn't go all the way back into history. The only time I maybe think would have been when there were like, 12 teams in a world cup final maybe there was a situation there but that would have been like it would have been like pre-1965 um so first time at least in the modern era when the three north america the three largest countries in north america are going to the world cup that's pretty awesome that's pretty cool and just a couple of years removed from hosting where we think i guess it's not official but we think that all three hosts are going to earn an automatic berth with 48 teams We'll never miss out on the World yeah. Cup. Sorry, I'm still not. Sure. Yeah. That's... So we're gonna be we're gonna be in World Cup probably for the rest of our lives uh, with the 48 field. FIFA wins again. It, it's it's for, in my opinion, 48 teams is it's too much. It's probably too big, uh, but but it is. I mean, I guess giving my opinion about it doesn't really matter. Yeah, money I talks. Like, I like 32. I think. I like the I like the group stage. I like I like World Cup qualifying. I like that North Macedonia takes out European champions, and you know they're you know what even Trinidad and Tobago takes out you know the United States. I mean that that sucked, but that's a part of it. Like getting through Concacaf is not easy. Right, having to go to San Jose having to go to Panama, having to go through Canada and play in, you know, frostbit weather, playing in Estadio Azteca. Yeah. El Salvador is a tough place to play. Like it's, it's something that I think is like they were talking uh, before the Mexico game. This might be one of the, the most, we may not see a meaningful match at Estadio Azteca in years, you know, because the gold cups generally always going to be in America and, I, I imagine the Nations League final is pretty much always going to be in the United States as well. USA, so, Me- USA and Mexico tend to play each other in the United States because Mexico has uh, 
just as big or almost as big of a fan base in the U.S. as they do in Mexico. So you can make more money by hosting in the United States. So, yeah, I mean, Estadio Azteca might not have a truly meaningful contest maybe ever again, certainly not for another 20 years or so. But like you mentioned, I mean, money talks. Like it all, it all comes down to the Benjamins. If FIFA can make more money off of a 48-team World Cup, then they're going to do it. Whatever. Like, there's no sense in us wasting. Plus, nobody, nobody's coming to us waiting for us to rant about FIFA and big World Cups and stuff. Right, Coach? Qatar, I mean, yeah. It is, I, I don't know. Just the fact that it's in Qatar, the fact that uh, – it's going to 48 teams. I mean, it's a, it's a tough organization. Um, you know, at least they have a cool video game, I guess. And we'll, we'll leave it at that. Indeed. 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 Um, yeah. USA Costa Rica, Wednesday night, nine o'clock Eastern time, uh, 9.05 PM Eastern time, 7.05 in God's time zone, the mountain time zone where we both live, CBS Sports Network, Paramount Plus, Universo, and Peacock joining the fray because it's a road game. So I'll be watching this on my Peacock. Um, big St. Peter's fan over here. I love Peacock, anything Peacock. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to not crapping the bed. Hopefully these Americans make up for all the mistakes of four years ago in Trinidad and Tobago as a fan base, like as a soccer, as a proper footballing nation coach, we have been through hell over the last four years that to be right here um, on the verge of officially qualifying at the very least going to an intercontinental playoff. I four years ago when we, when the United States lost in, in Trinidad and Tobago, I 100% would have taken an intercontinental playoff. I oh, yeah. absolutely would have taken that fourth spot. Well, yeah, we would have so, probably, we probably would have beat New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, whether, whether we would have or not, like I just, I would have loved to have, to have had that chance. So where the U S is right now, like enjoy it. American fans. Like it's awesome. Uh, we've been through hell over the last four years coming out the other side. I don't even care what they do in Qatar. They could, they could get a crappy group. Um, go not make the knockout rounds, whatever. Like, I'm not praying for that, obviously. Knock on wood. Um, but just being there, like, just proving that the United States really is, once again, one of the top teams in CONCACAF, um, I think I think it's so important. And it's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. We should celebrate it. No, I think so. And, and really, I mean, you look at the year that we've had. I mean, the calendar year winning winning the gold cup winning the nation's league and coming in and being three points away from winning the group if canada loses you know if we win if we win canada wins we're still three points away if we lose you know we're six points away and canada wins but you know that a what one of the best stories in in the world of soccer uh is Canada, you know, haven't been to a World Cup since 1986. Uh, you know, they, they have a women's soccer coach that, you know, brought their women's team to the World Cup and did well with the women. He turns around, takes over the men's job. It's done, I mean, first coach, I think, ever to coach a, a team in the World Cup for the men and the women. A little stat of the day there. And, 
it's impressive, you know, and, and no one thought Canada was going to be where they're at. And really, they, they might have not even been in the final eight. The, the, they were in trouble. They were in, they were in legit real trouble of not even making the final eight and kind of COVID's kind of helped them out with kind of hitting the reset button and, and, and helping them. And, 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 and they put themselves in a great situation and come in gold cup. And they just didn't look scared of, of the United States. They, they didn't look scared of Mexico. They, they look good. And, you know, to do what they've done without Alfonso Davies as well. I mean, like, they're big time stud. I mean, they're doing this, they're doing this with injuries and, and they're doing this with belief. And, you know, I've watched U S men's soccer for majority of my entire life. And I've never felt like there was ever a buzz around Canadian soccer. It was always just kind of like, ah, well, yeah, we got a team and you know, it's whatever. Let's, let's watch hockey. And right now I feel like there's a real buzz around it and i think that's great for the game i think that's great for the mls and it's exciting i'm excited about us and especially how we played i mean again like you go through the lineup and talk about so many different players and uh you know to give a letter grade to to burhalter what what would you give him right now sean i mean he came in with a very clear number one priority to get back to the world cup. Um, and he's going to make it there um, in, in one way or another, you know, whether it's through a playoff or whether it's outright, it's probably outright. Um, and I think for that, you have to give him an A. I think there are some other things. There have been issues where I'd maybe drop him to like a B minus, but I think overall, like he's, he's definitely passed every every test that you can ask of triple g greg berhalter um he's at least a b plus average i might even give him an a minus like i think he's been i don't think he's been perfect by any means i probably want to give him a full a i don't think he's been perfect um but your your most important job is to get back to the world cup you're doing that um you win that uh that nation's league title, you win that, uh, that gold cup a couple of years ago, prove that you can beat Mexico, you know, your biggest rivals in a quote unquote meaningful match, you know, how meaningful, I mean, when you got two teams, B teams, um, has been debated endlessly, whatever, but, but it's, it's competitive quote unquote. Um, you know, he proved that he can do all the right things. He's been a little bit shaky in some friendlies. He hasn't looked great against like the best of the best competition. Uh, just playing internationally. You know, is that a little concerning? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But he's mixing things up at the right times. Like if you're going to take some chances, if you if you really want to mix some things up, if you really want to make some changes, uh, you don't do that when you need points. You don't do that when you're trying to get through World Cup qualifying. You don't do that when you're playing competitive matches. Like you do that in the friendlies. And a couple of them backfired. Um, but I would much rather take a backfired friendly than I would what happened at Trinidad and Tobago four years ago. Um, I, I think Greg Berhalter has done everything that you can ask of him. He's he's at least a B-plus coach. You know, like I said, maybe even it, if I'm feeling generous, I might give him an A-. minus. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think, 
you know, player selection sometimes a little bit odd and sometimes just a little bit, you know, how he speaks to the media. He, he's, he's honest. He's up front. Uh, he answers people's questions. I don't think he beats around the bush too much. And you he's know, very, he's, he's very direct. He's extremely yeah. direct with the media. Yeah. And I, I just, I think I'm having a hard time not rooting for him. And, you know, I, it's not my initial thought to ever dislike a coach. I mean, I, I could give you five reasons why Jurgen was good. And I could give you five reasons why Bruce arena was good, you know, and, and they had their, they had their cons too. They had their negatives. Um, but look, we're, we're, we're probably in pod two, no matter what. Um, and then April 1st, Friday happens and we get our draw for the world cup. Now, the fourth place match that will be played in Qatar. So most likely will be Costa Rica and New Zealand or Costa Rica and Papua New Guinea. Because I, <laughs> I don't I don't know. When does New Zealand and when does New Zealand and Papua New Guinea play? Um I'm gonna do some quick Googling right now. But so we'll try not to die there too much, but yeah, I, I anyways. I, I think I think Oceania is roughly in line with us though. So my uh, my my question is Sean and I don't know if you know the answer to this. There obviously isn't going to be a match played. So before. so New Zealand wraps up qualifying Wednesday. Uh Wednesday morning technically in the United States which would be day back cuz I think that that's across the international day line, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so they'll finish off with the Solomon Islands. Uh, obviously, that should be a win there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got one over Tahiti, one over Fiji, big one nil one over Papua New Guinea from the most recent round. So, yeah, so it should be New Zealand. Yeah. So. Unless something really weird happens with the Solomon Islands. What I have been asking myself, and I haven't found out the answer to this, is so if it's between New Zealand and Costa Rica, do you get on Friday, so Friday the World Cup draw happens, and you get grouped in either with, because obviously we don't expect the United States to be grouped in with Panama. That hardly ever happens. But, um, no, I don't. I don't think you can be. I don't. I don't think. I think they split out the federation. But, but do they put you in the like? It's like March Madness, where you have to play like the play-in game, and say, okay, well, you're either going to get, either going to get Panama or New Zealand, and that's your playing game. Is that how it works? Do you know that answer? I'm not entirely certain. Um, obviously, because. And the U.S. hasn't really been there before, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not entirely certain, but I would assume so because you obviously like that match isn't going to be played before Friday, and so you've got to draw the pods. Yeah, so your pods are probably just going to include your your play-ins, like the overall play-in, and you'll yeah. play into a pod. I think I would assume so. Because what I'm was. What was your um, overall takeaway from Zach Steffen? 
Uh, very similar to Greg Berhalter. He's done everything that has been asked of him. Yeah. thought he looked a little bit shaky. He let me, he, I mean, he, he, you're right. I mean, you can't, the goal probably wasn't his fault. He, he kind of dropping balls a little bit. I, I, you know, I think, I think he is the goalkeeper right now. Um, you know, Matt Turner, obviously unlucky to be injured right now. Uh, but I, I do think Zach Stefan will be our goalkeeper. I think, I think right now with the three in the back right now with the Robinsons and, um, and Walker, I think that's pretty much theirs. I think Serginho Dest probably is our best right back. Um, you know, McKinney and Adams, I do think our best midfielders. So, you know, it's exciting. You know, we got, Polisic's definitely in there. You got to like Timothy Wea. Seems like Greg really supports Jesus Ferreira as well. You know, it seems like Jesus Ferreira really is someone that uh, Berhalter's really leaned on and believes in. And so, you know, you got the 10 spot, which we could go a lot of different directions in at the 10. And then you know, well, do you want to do you want to go? Do you want to predict a full lineup? We're gonna get this out. I mean, we'll 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 get this out Wednesday morning, so it'll be before uh, before obviously USA Costa Rica. Do you want to do a quick back to front prediction? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so uh, so you're asking about Zach Stefan. You think there's any chance that Stefan is not the man between the pipes? On for for tomorrow, absolutely, he will be the man. Okay. And I actually think. Full I disclosure, agree. I think Greg, you know, Greg had him in Columbus. Greg fancies himself as someone that wants to build and play. Um, and so I think I think Zach Stefan's his guy. And sure. until Zach does something to make Greg not believe in him, I think I think that's his guy. Yeah, and I mean he does, he does, I guess, kind of building on what you're saying. He does kind of try to get a little bit cute sometimes, play the ball with his feet. He thinks he's more of a Nick Romano than he is. Uh, but I, I don't even think he's bad in that case. And Berhalter likes to play with that, you know, uh, if he can. So oh, he's uh, at the city and that's how Pep wants to play. Right. Like that's that's who he is. I don't think he's all the way there, but he wants to try that. He's got to practice somehow. You you can't just automatically like if you're a goalkeeper, you can't just automatically play the ball at your feet like you you've got to actually do it and work it so and that might might lead to some tense situations but if you have the right back four around you I don't think it really matters that much uh I don't see any reason why uh Jedi Robinson Anthony are we going by Anthony or Jedi we go with Jedi Jedi it is Jedi Robinson Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman I don't think there's any reason to sit them I mean I realize they've got a lot of legs but you got to push through this one right I agree with you, Coach. Like I, Walker Zimmerman for my money. I'm a big, you know, I'm a big Miles Robinson guy. Syracuse grad, go Orange. Uh, but Walker Zimmerman's been the best defender in qualifying. He's he's been awesome. Um, Shaq Moore probably. Thank you for your service. Um, because um, you've got uh, you've got yeah, your uh, yellow card suspensions coming back namely DeAndre Yedlin. So probably saw him right back in. He sat for long enough, right? 
Yep. And I, you could, you could definitely say, I mean, you're probably going to go back to your captain. I think he wears the, I think he wears the, uh, the armband. I think Tyler Adams is your guy. You know, Musa could be an interesting one because I, I don't know. Musa looked leggy against Mexico. Um, so we see, I, I, I think. He only I played would... 40, he only played 45 minutes against Panama. I mean, I feel like that's maybe Greg foreshadowing that he's going to want to play him at least for a half. Maybe. I like but, it. Uh, but I think you're right. Like, I think he's tired. I think he definitely looked very tired. I don't think there's any chance you said Tyler Adams. He's playing too well. Um, he has a, he didn't even look that tired when he came off in Orlando. Um, and you definitely, I mean, he, he pulled them with over 20 minutes left, I think. So, so he should definitely have the legs there. Um, Musa, I think is the question mark. Um, but then who do you replace him with in midfield? I know that's a tough one because like what, what we've talked about is Gio Reyna. We, I think we all would love to see Gio at the, the 10 spot. You know, he's been in. so good off the bench though. Yeah, I know. And, and he just has come back from the injury and I, I think they want to get him out of this window without being injured and, you know, not risk it. So he, he's, he's been someone that I think they would have no problem coming in in the 60th plus minute or even the 45th minute like he did against Panama, but Polisic plays Timothy Weah plays. And then you go to the number nine spot, which you could say, okay, you got three options. Um, you really could go back to your day one starter and see if you give him a run. And, you know, I like Pepe. I think Pepe connects well with other players around him. I think he plays through the lines. I think, you know, just the kind of the off ball movement. I think I like Pepe. I'm like, I think we needed to get him scoring in Germany and he's got a ton of pressure on him right now because he signs for so much money in Germany and, you know, he hasn't really produced and, you know, he hasn't produced with the national team for a minute. And so you could start to feel him, you know, having the pressure. So he's got to put himself in a great situation to score some goals. Um, I easily could see him, you know, maybe staying with the hot hand and, you know, he really believes in Jesus Ferreira. And the other one is I could see it happening as well as, I think oh man. he's in Austria. The one that Gio Reyna, the one that missed Gio Reyna's uh, layoff. Uh, he's why am I drawing a blank on his name? Who at the oh at the nine? Yeah, at the nine. Um, are you talking about uh, Luca? No, no, no. Pep. It starts with a P, and I'm just I could see him in my face. You're, Sorry, everyone. You're, you're talking about pre-folk. Pre-folk. Oh, oh, Jordan Pifolk. Yeah. Yeah, Pifok. Um, well, see, that's that's one that I was gonna bring up. Um, for maybe your forward line is is do you go to somebody a little Jordan Pifok obviously played a little bit last last match. Um, he didn't play. Right, he didn't come off the bench at all. Yeah, did not play in Orlando, so I feel like there's opportunity there. Um, 
the other person that I'm thinking about on that forward line is what about Jordan Morris? Mm. Like you got just a little tiny bit of a run out, like it's Panama, just a little bit to kind of t- taste it. I'm not saying he's going to start and go a full 90, but like eventually, eventually you got to think that Greg has to start trusting JMO a little bit more uh, if he really wants to bring him back from <clears throat> from his recovery. He's he's like he's going to be one of your most experienced strikers that you take to Qatar. Sure, right? I think I think uh, again I I think it's a good shout for potentially coming off the bench and giving you some great shift shift minutes in the 60th plus minute. You know when the game's kind of in flow and they kind of have a rhythm, but rolling them out as your starter, I mean you can do it. I mean there's no question that Jordan can do it, but you know double ACL surgery and like what he's gone through. It's, it's tough. And uh, I, I, just, like I feel, it. I feel like he's more, I feel like he's more recovered than the time he's been getting, I guess yeah. is all I'm saying. Yeah, no. And, and I think, and like, he, I don't, I don't think he necessarily starts. Um, but I also don't know how you really work him into a system in a situation like this because i like i think you might want i think i think greg might want jmo for to start a game uh during the group stage in qatar yeah yeah like, i mean i think a I, lot of that will dictate on form too on where he's at in november i mean it is kind of a weird window and you know we'll you will see how his mls season goes we'll see how he does in the friendlies leading up to the world cup so this might be a great opportunity for him, but I, I do think Pulisic plays. Um, I do think Timothy Weah plays. Sure. And um, I do think it's between Pepe, uh, pre, pre, P-Falk. P-Falk, sorry, and, uh, and uh, uh, Jesus Ferreira. I, I do think it's between those three who goes in at the number nine. I wouldn't be surprised by any of them. And, you know, I would love to see Pepe, man. I would love to see Pepe get freaking on the goal. I would love to see him score. So my question is, who do you think slides in? If Musa and Adams play kind of that double pivot six or six and eight, right. who do you think steps in at the 10? And then that gives us our, that gives us our 11. Um, so you've got Musa and Adams in behind. I really liked what I saw out of Luca De La Torre on Sunday. But I also don't think that's the option going on the road into a very concave Costa Rica. Again, not a must-win game. So, like you, I guess you can take some chances, but uh I mean Kellen Acosta's in this camp. Kellen Acosta has been something, someone that Greg has trusted, too, he which is. I love. He hasn't played a ton in this window. Um, he played in that first game, obviously, but didn't he come off early? Yeah, Costa started against Mexico. Yeah, but he came. I think he came off a little bit earlier, didn't he? Yeah, didn't he come off at like the hour mark or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he came in when Reina. That's right. Yeah, yeah, he was replaced by Gio Reina. That's right. Yep. Yep. 
So yeah, I, think, I think that's probably the one. Yeah, I think it's probably Kanakasa just because you you need the experience. Uh, you you need to you need to really solidify and anchor that midfield. You need he's per, he's one of your more one of your more creative midfielders on the ball. Um, and I think the experience probably pushes him into the starting lineup. But I've really really liked what Luca De La Torre has done too. Yeah, he's, and he's like still- I I don't want to push him back to the bench because that almost feels like like saying you haven't been good. And I don't feel like that's a message that you want to send to, to DLT at all, you know? Yeah, it's an interesting but one. But it's probably I, kind of cost us. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if Ariola, I mean, potentially goes in at the seven. He could play on the right side. I doubt he does, but, like, man, I I, I, I like maybe, this. Maybe push Tyler I, Adams up? No, I think – no, 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 no. Adams stays – Adams stays – Adam stays at like the deep six. Musa plays either either uh, De La Torre or um, oh, I clicked on the wrong guy here. Sorry. It's gonna be Kellen Acosta. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I it's gonna be Kellen Acosta. Uh, we we can throw out all sorts of of uh different different lineups and different substitutions i i would be i think i'd be surprised if it wasn't kellen i think he didn't play sunday for a reason um right he didn't play sunday am i misremembering something no he didn't play no he didn't play sunday um yeah i think it's gonna be kellen i'll go on i'll go on record so Usual back four with Yedlin coming back in uh, at outside back. Our midfield trio, officially Tyler Adams, uh, Musa, and Kellen Acosta. Mm-hmm. And then strikers, where do we land? Christian Pulisic. And I think they go Pepe. And Ricardo and Pepe. I think they I think they probably play Pepe on a short leash, similar to they, uh, they did against Mexico. And they say, go run your face off for 90 minutes, uh, for 45 minutes, uh, start the press super high, sell out, run, 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 push our lines up and basically run yourself into the ground. And then at the 45 minute mark, know that, know that you're probably coming off in the 45th or the 60 minute mark. So you can sell out, you can go all in, you know, create create cues uh, by pushing, you know, the Costa Rican uh, center backs to play lazy balls into the midfield so we can, you know, cut off angles and and win the ball higher up the field and then, you know, go as hard as you can and we'll sub you. And I I think that's the way Greg's going to do it. I really think he's going to set up tactically where they're, they're gonna, they're gonna push, they're gonna, they're gonna set, they're gonna set our pressing lines up higher and um, be, try to be on the front foot and, that's kind of the way I think I could see them do it. And Timothy way played so well against Mexico and uh, you know, he subbed him. He still subbed him, even though he knew he couldn't play against Panama. And some people wanted to debate that and question that. And for me, I was just like, like that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's what it is. So we, we move forward. So it's exciting. And, 
we're ready to roll. I'm I'm with you too. I want to see lots more Gio Reyna. Uh, bring him off like it. Bring him on like a halftime. I want to see a lot of Gio Reyna. Um, I'd love to see more Jordan Peefock. I'd love to see Jordan Morris with at least a half hour to work with and play with. Um, see if he can go there. And um, any other subs that you'd really like to see? Yeah, you know, I I, I just I'm buzzing on the Robinson the Robinson uh, duo and Walker Zimmerman, our back line, the way we're playing. I just I I want to see us not give the ball up in in deep situations and kind of be careless with the ball. That's something I, I'm really looking forward to. I think we're a bit careless, and I think sometimes we're we need to, okay, here's a moment. Things aren't going to work out. Instead of trying to put the ball into this little tight window with, you know, Adams receiving it with two guys in his back, and now he has to be very clever to get out of this space. Let's just clip the ball, raise our lines, press and counter press to win the ball back. And if we give the ball up, we give the ball up in not a dangerous space. We step our lines up and then we start our press. And, and, and that's what I want to see from Greg. I just, that, those are the moments. That's, that's what bugs me with Zach Stefan. That's what bugs me. Um, just sometimes um, how committed we are to playing a brand of soccer that sometimes I don't think we should be that committed to doing. I think we need to be, okay, here's a good moment to play this. Now we need to do it. Or, Hey, we need to do this more in the attacking half. And, and, and I don't even necessarily blame Berhalter for this. I, it's more sometimes I think maybe the, the players understanding, okay, Hey, let's, let's take this risk higher up the field. And so that's something I'm looking forward to uh, against Costa Rica. And, and I hope just watching the match that, you know, we're going for it because I think that's, sitting back and playing not to lose and absorbing pressure. Just something I really hope we don't do. I, I hope we play for three points and uh, we go for it because I think that's what's going to push this team into a situation. And, you know, I don't want to be, be going crazy and pushing so high that we're out of shape and, but we're not going to do that. I, we're going to play well. Um, I think I think we're going to get a VAR decision, and I think we're going to score a run a run a goal in the run of play, and I think we're going to win this match two one. Give me give me give me the twelfth man. Give me some VAR, VAR man of the match, VAR yeah. for man of the match. VAR VAR and Gio Reyna for man of the match. Gio Reyna has been knocking on the door. He's sure. been creative. He's going to come in. He's going to he's going to be playing forward thinking soccer. You know, getting on the. Uh, I love his game. Uh, I love that we have an American that's 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 so freaking creative and going at players and and you know I like I like this team, Sean. I think they're they're young, they're hungry. You know we should beat Panama. We should beat Costa Rica. I don't care that it's in freaking San Jose. I really don't. I think we should be going for three points, and that should be our mentality. And you know, say hey, this is who we are. We're going for it, and. You know, I think that's been a part of Canada's mentality is like, like, we don't care that we haven't qualified for a World Cup since 1986. We don't care what our record's been against the U.S. or Mexico. This is our new culture. This is what we expect out of ourselves. And this is what we're going to do. And, and with 
Alfonso Davies, without Alfonso Davies, they, they've, they've held to their culture and their beliefs. And, you know, I think that's what we need out of the United States. And I think we're, we're close to getting that. And, you know, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic, but I'm optimistic. I love the optimism. I'm not going to dampen your optimism. Um, I also know numbers. I know Costa Rica is 11, seven and three all time against the United States in qualifying matches. Uh, I know they're on a six match unbeaten run, three straight wins. I know they're playing really, really well. I also know that they've got a really, really just ginormous uphill climb ahead of them to try to get out of fourth place in the group. Not impossible, but I think they're going to come out really hard. Um, I also don't think it's going to be enough. I mean, I just, I think it's, I think it's too big. I think that plus 13 goal differential is going to be massive for the United States. Um, and again, I would, I would love nothing more than a draw out of this game. I would absolutely love a draw out of this game. So go for the win. If you get a draw, great. You celebrate, you're ecstatic about that. Um, you know, Costa Rica is going to want a lot more. So, so go for it. Uh, coach, we took up way too much time talking in this here, uh, in this here chat room for this here podcast. So I'm going to put this together. You're going to go to bed. You're going to get ready to defend your uh, national championship in the morning. And, uh, let's do this again. Find us all on, uh, Twitter spaces after, uh, USA Costa Rica. How's that sound? Sounds great. Looking forward to it, Sean. Let's do it. Uh, once again, guys, Join us, uh, Salt City FC. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever podcast. The Overtime app, we're over there too. Uh, basically, any anywhere you can get podcasts, you can find us. You can find find us on social media at Salt City FC on Twitter, at Salt City FC on Instagram, Salt City Football Club on Facebook. If you still believe in that. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter, Own Goals, on Substack, saltcityfc.substack.com. I'm going to get the coach to write a newsletter one of these days. I'm wearing him down. He doesn't want to, but I'm going to wear him down eventually. Um, so you guys can check us out over there. Until next time, I'm Sean. That's the coach, Mark Davis. The only Utah Soccer podcaster with a national championship. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next time.